Is it recording? Yeah, I'm on. Mangalam Guru Devaya Devya Matriksha Mangala Mangalam Bhakta Brindebio Sarva Lokaya Mangalam Stapakaya Chidarmasya Sarva Dharma Sarupine Avatara Varishtaya Ramakrishnaya Mangalam Om Sarashiva Samarambam Shankarachara Majamam Ashmarachara Prayandam Vande Guru Paramparam Om Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwara Guru Devo Param Brahman Tasmai Sri Guru Venamaha Tasmai Sri Guru Venamaha Sri Hari Om Om So we, we had a little bit change of plan today. We haven't really announced a uh, satsang because we had a guest Swami who just, I think everybody here you met, Swami Satyamayananda, the new assistant minister of the Vedanta Society of Southern California. And um, it was kind of, uh, he wasn't, he didn't know he was coming. We, we forced him to come. And he didn't know he was staying. <laughs> so he had other programs where he couldn't stay. But we had kind of hoped maybe if he comes, he'll speak. Often we get Sami Sarvadivananda this way. We trick him into speaking here all the time. He comes for tea and we don't let him go. right? Uh, but he has other programs, so he couldn't. I think he was willing, but timing was not there today, Sami, Samiji. Uh, but so I wasn't really exactly prepared to give the, the continue our classes on Kali Puja, and uh, but also today is a very holy day, so I thought maybe we would do some reading, more something a little more more informal, a little break uh, from our from our Kali Puja talks. Um, today is what's the date today? Twelve. So by date today is the birthday of Swami Vivekananda. Right, so uh, we won't. The puja we'll do. We usually do the puja on his Titi puja, one is on his um on the astrological moon day, which I think is next Sunday, perhaps. I think it's next Saturday. Next Saturday here, right? So we will do. We always do the puja on the Titi day, and I think the Ramakrishna mission they celebrate. Um, actually, even Nash, I think it may even be National Youth Day on the eleven on twelve because Swami Vivekananda is seen as a hero to rise the youth and champion this, this um, uh, education and, and, and responsibility of the youth. So, can you turn this up a little bit? I don't know if it's on. Is it on? It's not? I don't know what's... Something's wrong with the microphone, I think. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Oh, my, now they're starting. Can you turn it down again? <laughs> All right. The material world is always... So, so, a very auspicious day, you know, and... Uh, uh, so we weren't planning to read on Swami Vivekananda. Maybe when we get to some uh, closer next weekend, maybe we can talk a little bit Swami Vivekananda, the significance of his birth. But we can't underestimate what happened on this day for the world itself. And Swamiji is quoted as he left out when he left on um, Sri Ramakrishna. You know, you've heard this this statement Sri Ramakrishna made many very often that unless one has a command from God, one can't teach people. Right? And you know, we teach. We have so many teachers. We lecture, other people lecture, other people, gurus and professors and all kinds of things, you know, it's like, and pundits and, and very famous pundits. And you see, it's like, well, they must have the command, although they wouldn't be so popular. But Sri Ramakrishna made the statement to the most popular pundits of his days, right? He says, and, 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 and uh, I forget which pundit he's talking about, Shashadar, is there some pundit? Uh, he made this comment and people around him got a little nervous that, oh, he's criticizing the pundit. Well, so, uh, Thakur, he, 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 he must have the command. Otherwise, he's preaching. He's, pre- he's he's spreading the Vedic religion amongst the youth, 
And Thakur said, do you have the command? And then the, the pundit says, command? I don't exactly know what that means. You know, everybody thinks they have a command from God, you know. He says, no, no, literally, Thakur, I mean, God appears in front of you and tells you to, to preach. Right, that's the I mean, direct command from God, not just some inspiring, like, okay, he says, otherwise what happens is that you have, your words have no power. You create a, a fuss. You create a scandal, not a scandal, but say a sensation. You create a sensation. Big lecture. You can see there's people right now creating big sensations, right? Great. I mean, maybe it's, it has some value of, the, of, of people thinking about, but that also passes, and thank you. And it passes. <clears throat> it doesn't have any long-lasting effect, right? But so, so today's Swami Vivekananda's birthday. So did Swami Vivekananda have such a command from God? Of course, Sri Ramakrishna was. I had to tell you this is our secret, our secret uh, uh, interpretive principle. <laughs> Sri Ramakrishna was God, according to uh, his disciples, and according to our understanding. Whatever that was beyond our understanding, what that means. But this is our face. We start with this idea. He is the divine, an incarnation of divine divin, divinity itself, the divine mother herself, uh, Lord himself. Right? And before he died, almost one of the final things he did, he, he couldn't, at that time, Sri Ramakrishna was suffering from extreme pain. He had throat cancer, right? So he couldn't speak anymore. But Sri Ramakrishna wrote something, and he drew something. He drew, it's so simple, it's actually in the, I think on the desk is the, the, the Lila Prashanga. Can you grab that for me? Mm -hmm. I'll show you the picture of it, at the final pages of it. Great master is there. Um, he drew, he drew a peacock, which is interesting. And people interpreted what does it mean? Peacock has an attracting power, right? And he drew a simple line drawing of Swamiji's face, right? Really amazing. Really, I mean, you could, we have we have several of Thakur's drawing. He is, he is quite amazing. His even his art is amazing. But the fact that he did this, all right. Towards the end, so you know the drawing I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, he drew Swamiji's face, and then he wrote, Swamiji, as Swami was getting in the car, he quoted it. All, he said, "Jai Shri Radhe Premamui," right? Victory to Radha, right? The embodiment of devotion, of love, Premamui, right? And then he wrote, well, uh, Swamiji has mentioned uh, what Naren, uh, Naren will teach the world, and then he wrote, and then again he wrote, "Jai Shri Radhe." Right, so essentially he, he, he captioned it Jai, out of all things, Jai Shri Rade Premamoy, Naren will teach the world, will be the teacher. And, and, and basically he signed it, Jai Shri Rade, that's his signature in this sense, right? So this is his command from God, right? So his, you can see uh, many, there's, there's more popular teachers in Swami Vivekananda, right? But you can't say there's more influential teachers in Swami Vivekananda. You know, his, his, the influence of his words had literally divine power behind him, he had the authority of God behind them. Right, he didn't have to think. Do I have my? And he actually did think. We read in his letters. He questioned everything he said, everything he did. He he agonized. This is the drawing. If you can see, right? He drew the the. He drew. Look, it's literally Swamiji's face. Amazing. It's simple, three four little lines with a pen, fountain pen, you know. Jai Shri Radhe This Jai Shri Radhe Rampriyadas has tattooed. <laughs> he has it. Right. Uh, uh, very fascinating. So he literally had the command, literal command from God, right? But Swami Vivekananda, of course, 
we know we we consider such one of the important events of Swamiji's life and in the world's life is when he came to America, and he and he spoke at the Parliament his opening talk at the Parliament, and of course right now we're celebrating the hundred and twenty fifth anniversary of the Parliament of Religion. This last Parliament they just did in in um, in Toronto, Canada was uh, hundred fifth. There were some years where it it wasn't every year, but they've started. It's but it's the hundred twenty fifth anniversary. It was very significant, and many important talks were there. Many important people were there, but you can see Swami Vivekananda. I mean, maybe he's the only one that had the <laughs> the command, literally the command from Sri Ramakrishna to be there, right? And his words had a tremendous effect, and it 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 it, it projected Sri Ramakrishna. He was very. I mean, Swami Vivekananda was um um uh, uh, he took the parliament by storm. You could say he became very popular, and it th- and that threw him onto the national stage in, in America. And then from the national stage, it threw him onto world history, right? You know, and so he spent many years in America and the West, and then that led to his founding of, of, of his work in, in the West, and then of course, even more importantly, his the founding of the Ramakrishna Mutton Mission in India, which has over two right present has over two thousand sannyasis. You can imagine the group that has over two thousand sannyasis, right? Uh, Scandal free organization, right? For the most part, uh, compared to like everything, like every possible thing. It's amazing what they do, right? Running so many schools, so many hospitals, so many preaching centers, so many, you know, one thing after another. Really quite amazing. So he, why, why is it, well, of course, it's very well organized, has many things, there's many things why it's, it, it's successful. But I think it's successful because Jai Shri Radha Premamo, he signed, he had the power of Sri Ramakrishna behind him, right? And so his work in the West, but so Swamiji, of course, we have the complete works eight, nine volumes now, coming in ten volumes, a new version of the, of the complete works. Most of those talks are given in America and in Europe, right? So his work here is very important. And actually, Swami Vireshwarananda, one, uh, uh, one of the great presidents of the Ramakrishna, disciple of Holy Mother and student of Swamiji, somebody said, oh, he gave all, Swamiji gave his best work in the West, right? He didn't say anything important. In the, he didn't, his message wasn't for the East. And he says, and he, he says, look at the complete. No, no, our problems. Swamiji spoke the highest things to us, right? We're foolish. We don't. We don't. We're, it's our problem. We didn't write it down, right? It's like it's Mr. Uh, what is it? Uh, um, my faithful Goodwin. He had a stenographer who wrote everything he said in America. Thank God for his. You know, we have nine volumes of original ideas because somebody because he wrote him. He wrote his lectures down. There's no recordings, right? And he wasn't there. He wasn't in India recording what Swamiji said. We had then and a few there's a you know the talks from Almo, there's a, a series of talks from uh, in South and from Almo, uh, what is it yeah it's when he first came back to India he gave a series of talks in South India with we my goodness these are bombs these are tremendous right and then you have these conversations that Beller with uh, Sharachandra one of his disciples you know if oh, only we could record if we had everything. Swamiji said in India, we couldn't imagine, right? But still, he said his um, his 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 work in the West is very important. We shouldn't. We're here because of that, right? But he's not the only one. He sent other disciples of Sri Ramakrishna here, right? It's amazing. Sri Ramakrishna, an avatar of this age, right? Six of his sannyasi disciples came to the West, right? This is very, really amazing. Swami Sharadananda, Swami Nirmalananda. Swami Abedananda, Swami Trigunatitananda, Swami Turiyananda. Who am I missing? Is that everybody? I think. I don't know, I didn't count. I think that's probably close to them. But, yeah, right? Tremendous, right? 
So this is there's some important work here, right? But one of which I mentioned is Swami Sharadananda, and so his picture is there today, right? And so that's what I kind of bring in a roundabout, unorganized way, going back to Swami bring to, to Swami Sharadananda, Shard Maharaj. And Swami Sharananda, he came to the, he gave beautiful talks. We have recordings of many I mean, uh, transcriptions of some of his talks in New York and all over America. Very powerful speaker, very clear thinker. Not as charismatic as Swamiji. Swamiji was, you know, the lion, a you know, roaring lion. But he systematic his classes. He gave very systematic, very intelligent, presented classes with a very yogic kind of interpretation. But then he went back to the went he went back to India, and when he went back to India, he did very important work. He became the um, uh, the secretary, the treasurer of the Ramakrishna Mission, as it was when Swamiji founded it, and he did another very important work. He became he he took responsibility for Holy Mother, right? This is also very important, right? When Holy Mother after Sri Ramakrishna's passing, everybody of course the boys went off doing their tapasya, and the householders continued their life, right? And everybody assumed Holy Mother was fine. Right, Holy Mother went back, was living in back in her Drambati, then she lived in Kamapakur, and then she went, but actually she was star- almost starving. Right, because Thakur said, never put your hand like this, never ask for, never beg. Right, so she followed, she never asked anything. And everybody thought she was okay, but slowly it became revealed that actually she was in dire poverty. Right, and so Swami Sharananda, first it was Swami Yogananda, and then Tigunatitananda, these different people dedicated their lives to serving her. Right, and then she was going also to she, Yeah, she yeah. spent one year in Vrindavan yeah. during this time, you know. Yeah. Um, um, so Swami, Swami Yogananda was the first. And actually even we think Sri Ramakrishna's disciples. Sri Ramakrishna's disciples, there's different types of disciples, right? Usually we think a disciple is a person who gives, when you get diksha from somebody, you become their disciple, right? But disciple means one who accepts one's discipline. So the tradition, so actually when we think of Sri Ramakrishna's disciples, most of which he did not give diksha to. Right, as far as we, he may have, we don't know what Thakur, who gave Thakur gave diksha to, right? But as far as we, people we know, he gave diksha to exactly of the, of the sixteen, seventeen, eighteen disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, monastic disciples, four or five, six were initiated by Sri Ramakrishna. Almost all of them were initiated by Holy Mother, right? And first was Shardan, was um, uh, Yogananda, right? Uh, and and Yog, Yogan Maharaj, right? And Swami Yogananda, Sri Ramakrishna appeared to, as we accept the stories, he appeared to Swami Yogananda, says initiate, in, 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 appeared to Holy Mother in a vision, initiate Yogan. Two, three times she appeared, and one time she answered, she argued, with her, I don't even know Yogan. I've never even spoken to Yogan. Because at that time, Holy Mother, we usually see her like a bit, she was in public, she was, this is how she, when people would, this is how she would be in public. Or like when, uh, and people, she put her feet out, and people would come and bow at her feet. Right, she never she she was covered. She was in she was a the older tradition, you know. Uh, so she never spoke to Yogan, right? So through enough enough pushing of Sri Ramakrishna vision, right, uh, initiate Yogan. So she through a different person, I think through Yogan Ma, another disciple, he says, ask uh, Yogan if he's if Thakur initiated him, right? And so she no no Thakur never gave me any mantra like that. So then it was given through Holy through Holy Mother, right? And so. Uh, so Yogan was the first, and then Trigunatitananda. I may, I haven't, didn't research this right now. I'm doing this from memory. Trigunatitananda served her quite a bit also, and then it k- fell on Swami Sharadananda, whose birthday we're celebrating, my titi. And he dedicated the rest of his life. Really, his main service was serving Holy Mother, right? And and very much concerned how to support her, 
Right, and in Drambati, her home village, he, when she'd be in her village, she was very happy in her village. But there's, but the family lived there. It was a family home, and the brother-in-law, the brothers were there. It was, it, and all the devotees, it would cause some struggle. She wasn't free, right? So he raised money to build a house just next door, Kitty Corner property, right? So she had her own house eventually, right? Small like that. But he raised money, and so how did he raise money? So he started the Udbadan uh, uh, magazine by Swamiji's instruction. Right, partially to raise money, really his intention was not to spread Vedanta. Udbanan means to wake up India, you know. Right, uh, uh, the magazine is this message of Swamiji's message to wake. But actually, the uh, the the editor and the organizer of the magazine, his intention was not to wake up India. It was to serve Holy Mother, right. raise money by selling this magazine in order to build her a house, right. And you know, and then a cl- and then then he started writing this book, the Ramakrishna Lila Prashanga. So I mean, Chaitanya translated as Ramakrishna's Divine Play. Or there's another translation that the Ramakrishna Mission did, uh, the the Great Master, Ramakrishna the Great Master. Uh, uh, and he did that. Of course, Swamiji told him, "We need to so many legends about Sri Ramakrishna come in, do research, and present a good book, right?" And so, so he 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 did so much research, and he did it in obedience to Swami Vivekananda's wish, right? But really, he had no. His desire was not to write a book on Sri Ramakrishna. His desire was to raise money, to sell, to to, to print articles, to sell magazines, to raise money for Holy to support Holy Mother. Like was so. And the day Holy Mother died, this is a lot, he put down his pen. He, he didn't. Fin- the book never got finished. Right on first January, we read the the uh, the Kalpaturu Lila, and then after that it ends. Sri Ramakrishna didn't die after that. Many important things happened. Three four months, maybe more. Six months, I forget. After that, but he he his reason for writing had finished. Holy Mother died. He put the, he never he never completed the book. Right. So it also shows some of his personality, you know. And also Swami Chaitanya points out. He says like what he did in his in his forties. He. The the, the 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 giant the, the the giant intellect philosophical understanding language ability uh, to write such a book really incredible right and if you see there's a there's a picture and he has small little small little like, like pretty much the side of the table that he's sitting on a little tiny thing he sit there he had an ink pot and he sit there on the floor and he wrote the whole book on this little tiny wooden table mm-hmm. right just just slowly doing his research and very carefully thinking these things through tremendous personality. And how much devotion he had for Holy Mother, you can't even imagine. Swami Chaitanya's new book on Holy Mother, you really see what he would, what, what type of service he did. But anyways, I was thinking what to read. Maybe we could do some reading today. And so Swami Chaitanya wrote another book, God Lived, God Lived With Them, The Life Stories of Thakur's Sannyasi Disciples. Um, it's part of a two-part book, God, They Lived With God, on the 32 householders, mostly householders, not exactly householders, some of them are... Sannyasis also, but they're not the normal list, right? Of, of, of the, and then a second volume on on the sannyasi disciples. So I thought to read a little bit, just a few sections from Swamiji's book, and the section that I like, and all these really there's things on his on their teaching, their days of austerity, their their publication, their conversations. All things are interesting, but I'm interested also in their time with Sri Ramakrishna. To me, that's more interesting, right? Because they weren't, they, they, it's not like, oh, they went to school, became a good, a good uh, they went to school, got, got good philosophical training, and then went out and started teaching. Right? They, you know, they, they, were, they were not just trained in school. I mean, he's educated. Most of Tucker's disciples, many of them are educated. But that's not what gave them their, the authority, their, 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 uh, their power to preach or their power to teach. It was their training, their molding by Sri Ramakrishna. 
So I thought that could, we can read a little bit with a few pages. So I'll just read the first is two, two paragraphs, just introduction about his, his birth and his birthday. As a garland maker picks many flowers of different colors to create a beautiful wreath, so Sri Ramakrishna chose his disciples from the, from the companions of previous divine incarnations and trained them to carry his message of religious harmony in this present age. This is the idea that, that these, the people he brought, we, this is, uh, um, Sri Ramakrishna saw them all in visions. He says, this person, M, was with the, in the, in the, in the uh, dance party of Chaitanya. Right? Swamiji, Swami Vivekananda was one of the Saptarishis. Right, Swami Vigyanananda, you know, each person he saw in different things. Brahmananda was a, a companion of Lord Krishna, right? So he and so and from he pulled from the previous incarnations his his attendants, right? This is very interesting, right? And so we understand. It's interesting. The same thing happened in in the Chaitanya Charitamrita Chaitanya Bhagavat. The same thing is told that when the de- disciples, this is Swami um, Chipparamaraj gave a very powerful point. I still remember sitting here actually many years ago, when Lord Chaitanya's disciples began to think, you know, it's like, we be, he, I think he's, he's, he's Krishna. He's, an, he's God. Right? If he's Krishna, so they said, wow, he's Krishna. They began to think, maybe Chaitanya is Krishna. Then, you know, the disciples begin to, you know, and then you think, well, if he's Krishna, right, then Krishna never comes alone. He must have attendance. And, and, and it's like, so who are they? So let's find, I mean, Krishna, who, who are, who are the, the attendants of Krishna that came with him? And then they were stunned. It was them. <laughs> right? They were like, that, that's amazing type of thing. So same thing with Sri Ramakrishna's disciples. There, he, pulled, he recognized them, but many he actually, he, like Swami Brahmananda's example, he told the other disciples, don't tell. I saw him was, 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 was Krishna. He was a playmate, okay, but don't tell him. As soon as he remembers it, he'll leave his body. Right? So, we, so because... The mind would, they had to, he was sent here with a little bit of maya, forgetfulness, to do some work, right, in this incarnation. But, but and as soon as Brahmananda, who started the famous, he says, he says I'm, he, the Krishna, I see Krishna, I see Krishna, I see the Krishna of my Ramakrishna. What a beautiful light. And he says, put animals on my feet, I want to dance with them. And then he thought, oh no. And very shortly he had left his body. That was his mind, he couldn't stay in the material plane anymore, right? So, this is Swami, Swami is bringing this up because Swami Sharananda was also with the divine incarnation. So we'll find out more. On 23rd December 1885, Sri Ramakrishna remarked about Sharat and, and Sashi and Charat. Sharat is Swami Sharananda, Sashi is Swami Ramakrishnananda. Right. In a vision, I saw Sashi and Sharat had become, had been among the followers of Christ, which is very interesting. So even, even in the Jesus Leela, Right, two of Jesus' disciples came in this age with Sri Ramakrishna. Pointing to his foremost disciple, Peter, Christ said, Upon this rock I will build my church. Later on, Peter's unshakable faith, indomitable energy, and unflinching love for his Lord gave a tremendous impetus to early Christianity. Just as Peter supported the early Christian church, Sharat carried the heavy responsibility of the young Ramakrishna movement for over 30 years. Sharat was completely unaware of his future role when, one day at Dakshinishwar, Sri Ramakrishna sat upon his lap in an ecstatic mood and later explained to the curious devotees, I was testing uh, how much weight he could bear. So he, Sharat, Swami Thakur sat on his lap, 
right? And this is like, can you can you hold me? Can you can you hold? Can you can you support me? Later, that the entire Ramakrishna mission actually would be organized by, by him. Their whole responsibility, right? Very interesting. Sharat Chandra Chakraborty was born in Calcutta at six thirty-two p.m. In a few minutes, right on Saturday. Oh, we're getting close. It's also Saturday. <laughs> wow, you good, good read this. I would have missed this. On Saturday, 23rd December, 1865. No. How is today, Shard? Oh, because today is Titi Puja. I'm going, how is that? <laughs> I think we, we, we put up the wrong picture. No, it's a, by the moon, it's today. But interesting, he came with Jesus and he's born... Like the day Christmas Eve, Eve, <laughs> the Eve of Christmas Eve. Interesting. That season is there. The house where he was born, 125 Amherst Street, was later demolished by the Calcutta Corporation in order to extend Harrison Road, now Mahatma Gandhi Road. His father, Giris Chandra Chakrabarti, and mother, Nirmala, uh, Nilmani Devi, were devout Hindu Brahmins and quite well-to-do. They had a large family and were partners in the druggist hall, a foreign a large foreign medicine pharmacy. Shark was very quiet and, and gentle, which was construed by some as signs that, he, that the boy was not intelligent. At the early age, at an early age, observing his mother worshiping the family deity, he devoted, he developed a strong religious inclination. At the age of 13, like all Brahmin boys, he was invested with the sacred thread, and he regularly practiced japam and meditation. He memorized many hymns and various gods and goddesses, which he would recite to his young friends. Sharg was admitted to Albert School and later to the Hare School, where he was a good student and scored at the topmost of his school examinations. He took to lead, a leading role in his school debating society and developed strong, a strong body by exercising regularly and eating well. This is, this is another, it's like, it's like, oh, he's healthy. Healthy means heavy <laughs> in the old style. He ate well, you know. We have a difference. Tradition now, Sharik was uh, Sharik was born with a warm, loving, and unselfish heart. He was extremely courteous and was incapable of using harsh words or hurting anyone's feelings. His generosity was such that he saved his pocket money to help his poor classmate by books, paper, p- paper, pencils, and so on. Sometime he would give his used clothes, sweaters, and shoes to to his poor friends. Once he discovered that one of his neighbors' maidservants had been stricken with cholera and that her master, fearing contagion, had moved her up to the roof and left her to her fate. Shard rushed to the dying woman and did what he could for her. When she died, he made all necessary arrangements for her last rites. Sashi, a cousin of Shard, was studying and living with Shard's family. While they were in school, Shashi and Shard were regularly influenced by the Brahma leader Keshav Chandrasen. They attended his services, studied the Brahma Samaj literature, and practiced meditation according to its tradition. In 1882, Shard passed the entrance examination, and then in 1883, he was admitted to St. Xavier College. Father Lefant was then the principal of the college. Charmed by Shard's deep interest in religion, the noble principal began to tutor him in the Bible and in Christianity. In October 1883, Kali Prashad, a mutual friend of Sashi and Shard, read Keshav Chandra's articles, about Sri Ramakrishna in the Indian Mirror. Actually, it's interesting. Sri Ramakrishna was made, in a certain sense, made famous by, by uh, Keshav Chandrasen. And he didn't like the fact that Keshav Chandrasen wrote about him publicly. right? Because he said, if many people know about this place, 
He got the body won't last. When he become too famous, he said, my body won't last. Right? But still, it's because of this, these, this article, many of Sri Ramakrishna's disciples came to him because of this article. Right? He wrote it in uh, Keshav Chandrasen. He wrote the founder or the main preacher at that time of the Brahma Samaj, uh, who loved Sri Ramakrishna very much, wrote. One after, uh, uh, his, he, he suggested to his friend that they all visit the saint of Dakshinishwar. All agreed. One afternoon, the group of boys arrived at Dakshinishwar and, and found the master seated on his small couch. He received them all with a smile and asked them to sit on the mat. He then asked their names and where they lived and was pleased to learn that they belonged to Kesha's Brahman Samaj. At first, Sri Ramakrishna recognized Sharat and Sashi as his own. Sensing their spirit of renunciation, the master said, bricks and tiles, if burnt on the trademark, with a trademark on them, retain those marks forever. Similarly, you should, en- you should enter the world after advancing a little on the path of spirituality. Then you will not sink in the mire of worldliness. But nowadays parents get their boys married while quite young and thus pave the way to their ruin. The boys come out of school and find themselves fathers of several children. So they run hither and thither in search of a job to maintain the family. With great difficulty, perhaps, they find one, but are hard-pressed to feed so many mouths with that small income. They become naturally anxious to earn money and therefore find little time to think of God. Interesting, he's, he didn't talk like this to everybody. He's mentioning this when he sees these boys. He's, he's awakening uh, renunciation in them. Then, sir, is it wrong to marry? Is it against the will of God? Asked one of the boys. The master asked him to take a certain book down from the shelf and directed him to read a particular passage that quoted Christ's opinion of marriage. Quote, For there are some eunuchs that were born, so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which are made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which are made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Let, him, let that he that is able to receive it, let him receive this is a peculiar, I think Paul, I think this is in the letters of Paul, this statement, right? It's a very strange, eunuch is a strange term, of course, we don't, but some people are born, eunuch does not mean eunuch in this, you know, we know what a eunuch means, somebody who's castrated as a eunuch, right? But means somebody who's, cel- here it means celibate. Some are born this way, those maybe by others, are made this way by others, but some choose this way for the kingdom of God, right? It's out of all things to read, Right, this pull find from some book. There's some some book that had this quote, a talker. You know, he we only know a few books he had in his room, but this was meant for these people to listen to. Right, he read from the Bible to Sharat and Sashi about monastic life. Two people that he said were with Jesus and were destined to become monks. Let him who is able to receive it receive it. The master then asked him to read Saint Paul. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. I first heard this. There was a on, on Real People. Remember those old shows, Real People? That's incredible. It was back in the eighties. The little boy he was eight years old, and he would come in a in a blue in a, in a brown suit in the Bible, and he'd go out. And scream, the Bible says it was like it was a national sensation. 
better, and he quotes this verse. He doesn't know what he's quoting. It's better to marry than to burn, right? <laughs> and, and recently my plumber quoted this. Can I, he mentioned, he asked me if I was married. I was helping him at, at my aunt, auntie's house, some apartment struggle. Uh, I said, no, no, I'm a monk. And he quoted, St. Paul says better to marry than to burn. <laughs> right. The, the, the better it's like better you get married than go to hell. That's a, that's that's a, how it's usually interpreted, right? But actually, the verse means better to marry than to burn with desire, right? If you if if you have much desire, better you you marry than 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 just spend your whole life burning and longing and thinking, right? That's probably what it means. That's how most people believe it means. That's the obvious meaning, right? I simply my question to him was like was but the statement before is. Paul's saying it's better to live like I do, not married. I mean, he, Paul himself wasn't married. Or he wasn't telling everybody he has to get married. But if you have much desire, then get married. Better to marry than to burn. Right? It's interesting. Like, he took one line, completely ignored the first part of the same sentence, you know, like, and used it against me. Anyway, he's a good plumber. So I was still suggesting. <laughs> Pious Christian soul, you know. <clears throat> Definitely didn't grow up in the Catholic Church, whether it's married, whether it's unmarried monks and things like that. He didn't get. Uh, I therefore say that the unmarried and widows, it is good if they live as bide, bide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. So these are the two things he, he read out of all the, all the things to read to these two boys. Right. Someone interrupted, saying, Do you mean to say, sir, that marriage is against the will of God? And how can his creation go on if people cease to marry? Sri Ramakrishna smiled and said, Don't worry about, about those. Don't, uh, don't worry about that. Those who wish to marry are perfect liberty to do so. What I said just now was between ourselves. I speak on what I have I have speak I speak on what I have got to say. You take as much of it as you like and no more. So actually another way of saying it says, Don't worry about marriage like I, I'm I'm speaking to them. Right, we know those who are who who are supposed to be speaking to. They understood what I had to say, but this is a very funny argument. Also, it's like if if nobody gets married, it's like you know if if Sharat and Sashi don't get married, the creation's not going to end. <laughs> right, it's a, it's a it's a it's a foolish argument. You know, there's plenty of people that will keep keep the movement going and you know keep the creation going. No problem. Sri Ramakrishna set the fire of renunciation in the minds of Sharat and Sashi. When they were about to leave, the master asked him to visit him alone. Sharat began to visit the master on a regular basis on Thursdays, a college holiday. On 26 November 1883, Sharat arrived at Dakshinishwar by boat with two of his friends and found that the master was about to leave for Calcutta to attend a Brahma Samaj festival of Mani, at Malik, Mani Malik's house. Ramakrishna was pleased to see him, see them and asked him to asked his attendant, Babaram, to give them the address so they could attend the festival. Sharat wrote of the festival. Tell Swami Sharat on his rights. We saw a wonderful scene. We felt a hot, that high waves of heavenly bliss were flowing in the room. We were completely lost in the kirtan. They were laughing, they were laughing crying, and dancing. So this is Thakur's kirtan. Laughing, crying, and dancing. Unable to control themselves, they fell on the ground. Overwhelmed with emotion, others acted like madmen. The mass was dancing in the center of the God-intoxicated group, now rhythmically going forward with rapid steps, again going backward in a similar way. In whichever direction he would move, the people, as if enchanted, would make room for him. 
the descriptions of Sri Ramakrishna's kirtan parties, an extraordinary tenderness, sweetness, and lion and lion lionine, that word, lionine like a lion. Not the word. I'm not trying to say lionine strength were visible in every limb of the master's body. So this is uh, we've several people described exactly this: sweetness, tenderness, and lion-like strength in his dancing. That's I can't I can't visualize those combinations, right? And many people who said that that seeing Sri Ramakrishna dances, it was very unconventional and unexplainable. We've never seen anything like this, his dancing in the party. Uh, the, uh, uh, it was a superb dance. In it, there was no artificiality or affection, affectation, no jumping, no unnatural gestures or acrobatics. We've seen such kirtans. <laughs> Nor was there any sense of absence of control. Rather, one noticed in the master's dancing rhythmical and natural gestures and movements of limb. It seemed as if an overflow of, gra of, of grace, bliss, and sweetness surged from within, like a big fish happily swimming all over a vast clear lake, sometimes slowly and sometimes fast. It was as if, as if the dance was the dynamic physical expression of the surge of the blissful ocean of Brahman, which the master was experiencing within. As he danced this way, sometimes he lost outward consciousness and sometimes his cloth fell. When that happened, someone would fasten it tightly around his waist. Again, if, we saw someone, if he saw someone lose normal consciousness, imbued with divine emotion, he would touch that person's chest and bring him back to consciousness. We felt a current of divine bliss emanating from the Master and spreading in all directions, making it possible for the devotees to see God face to face. Afterward, the Master told, us, told all of us that one could attain supreme peace if one could raise the mind and sense objects. I'm sorry, if one could raise the mind from sense objects to God. So this is actually, it's interesting he includes that in the description of kirtan. This is actually the benefit of kirtan. You forget the world and your, your mind rises. But there's a, also Sri Ramakrishna, not describing this and then now critiquing it, not critiquing it. But Swami Vivekananda was actually, he sometimes he warned in one lecture against overly enthusiastic jumping in this type of kirtan. And there's a scene in Sri Ramakrishna's room, a similar scene. People are going, it's a, the, scrim, the, the scene got out of control. People are, are jumping, people are fainting, people are shaking on the ground, and you know, it's like in chop crackers like that. And, and somebody saw this and was like, what is that? <laughs> it was nobody ever seen like that. And then he asked, how many have attained bhava or ecstasy? So then he's thinking, a couple of them. He mentioned, I think, two three people the rest is emotion right like the real the real so and so there's one even Sri Ramakrishna mentions Swamiji mentions that what happens in Kirtan you go flying and we want to go flying that's the time to go flying right but you go flying up and if you jump up what happens if you jump up you come down right <laughs> Right, and so and also there's a thing, even prana and kundalini shakti flies up into the higher chakras, but it's not built upon thakur is built upon a lifetime of austerity and devotion, purity, selflessness, you know. Uh, so for 
he's already he's already on the upper levels. It doesn't take much for him to fly into the absolute. But we jump to the absolute. We jump to the higher level. But we, and we have we don't have the sadhana to to hold us up, the purity to hold us up. We come crashing down. And so Samaji said, what happens is that you go flying up and you go down below where you started from. Right? You fall below. Right? Very, there's an energetic science uh, uh, secret to it. Right? And he says, what happens? And you see, in, and you can see in modern day, also in modern day Kirtan tradition, but even in the Kirtan tradition of Thakur's time and before, right? some of the most um, uh, immoral things would be done after Kirtan's. Because right, the mind goes flying up and then goes to the lowest possible point, back fully in the body, below the body, at the lowest part of the body. Those energies would be activated, right? And maybe if you some know the modern scene, some of that too. The mind goes flying, but it's not built upon culture, sadhana, yama, niyama, all the whole the whole thing. And so there's a danger because it's not Sri Ramakrishna. Sri Ramakrishna is flying, and takes others with him. But interesting. If one can attain supreme peace, if one could raise the mind from sense objects to God, right? This is a real goal of Kirtan. One day at Dakshinishwar, the master was praising Ganesha, the god of success, for his great filial, filial love and absolute purity of heart. Sharak was present in the, in the audience. He said at once, Sir, I like the character of Ganesha very much. He is my ideal. No, the master immediately corrected him and said, Ganesha is not your ideal. Each person has a different idea, right? Your ideal is Shiva. In you lie dormant the attributes of Shiva. Always think of yourself as Shiva and me as your Shakti, as your power. I am the ultimate repository of all your powers. It is amazing how this mystical utterance of the master was fulfilled later in Sharat's life. Right, it's interesting. One of the things he's praising Sharat Ganesha for his his filial love, which means his duty to his parents. And Thakur often mentioned, you know, that famous. I just heard it this morning, actually, in a talk. I was back in my room listening to one lecture. Somebody quoted this story of Ganesh. Um, no, I was talking about another in that lecture the other day. Where, where uh, you know, we all know the story that that uh, uh, there was a contest. We have a. Uh, necklace, or there's a different version of the story. I have this necklace, I'm going to give it Shiva and Parvati to so I'll give it to whoever can circle the universe uh, three times first. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Kartik jumps on a very swift bird and goes mm-hmm. zooming across the world one, two, three times, and Ganesha gets up and just walks around mm-hmm. Parvati. Right? So, uh, Parvati is those. Of course, literally, they're God. You walk around God, you, but it's, it's not glorified because Shiva and Parvati are God. He's glorified because Shiva and Parvati are his parents. Right, the love of his, the, the duty of his parents, the theme, the parents as the center of his universe. He he won the he won the uh, award, right? So Sakura often quoted that that the the glory of Ganesha's lila is this the duty to the parents. Even Sri Ramakrishna fought, uh, fulfilled his duty to his parents, right? His father, his he took care of his his, his elderly mother till she died. Her uh, left her body at Dakshineshwar itself with her feet in the Ganga, right? So, but that was not. That's not your ideal. Your ideal is Shiva, right? It's not about because he's meant to be a monk, right? He has a different ideal, right? Also, there's a mysterious thing we don't talk about often. He says you're born with nature of Shiva. Other people say you're born with a nature of, of, of from a part of Vishnu. That some people have different tendencies. He'd see where people actual ten, people think, oh, by by my family or my convincing of my friends is that I should. This is a proper religion. This is not. You're not born for that purpose. 
you're born with this nature. Takor could see and correct them. Right, very interesting. He said, I can see, this is a, a very fascinating, Swami Chaitanya translated an un, untranslated uh, section of M's, uh, um, uh, uh, M's um, uh, diary. Right, so it's very hard to translate because M didn't, you know, these are just notes. But Swami, it is one point, Takor, Swami Krishna says in that page, that I just as I can, I at, at night time, when all the devotees are sleeping in his room, he gets up and just looks. And he says, and by looking, he sees, like he says, he describes it like, like seeing things in a glass case. He sees everything, their past and their future, what their karmas are, what they're, what they're, what, why they come, where they're going, what mission they're meant to do. It's like, and then in the morning, those little topics he brings up and guides them. You know, he could see what, so when he could, if he corrects your sadhana or corrects your, no, this is not your ishta, this is your ishta, this is not your nature, this is your nature. He's doing it from a very deep perspective, you know, unique. Shard was tremendously attracted to the master. Not only did he visit Ramakrishna regularly, but he also began to stay the night at Dakshinishwar in order to practice spiritual disciplines under his guidance. The master would awaken his young disciples at midnight and send them to different spots in the temple garden. Once Sharat could not concentrate, and he reported to the master. Immediately the master pressed his finger between Sharat's eyebrows, and his mind became calm like the flame of a like the flame of a lamp in a windless place. This is described in the scriptures, right? The mind has to be like, like a flame not moving. Right? Before coming to Dakshinishwar, Sharat had met Narendra, Swami Vivekananda, at a mutual friend's home in Calcutta without knowing who he was. Sharat's first impression was that Narendra was conceited and had bad manners. If you know Swami Vivekananda's personality, he was... He was. He was. He. 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 He definitely was a strong personality, and he didn't care about social, uh, social mm-hmm. etiquette, right? The way he dressed, the way he's you know, like. If if something if something was wrong, he'd say it. You know, if like there's all in Indian culture, there's lots of subtle things of where you sit and how you behave and how you know. Talk. Swami Swamiji didn't. It didn't make sense to me. Didn't follow them. You know. So he was. He. He didn't. He didn't. People who met him didn't always. Didn't always like him in the beginning. Right, his personality. So even Shara didn't like him in the beginning, conceited and rude. Hmm. Later, during his second and third visit, Shara heard the master praise a young man named Narendra so highly that he became interested in meeting him, not realizing that this was the same person he had already met and disliked. Pointing to the young disciple, the master said, These boys are good. This boy has passed. One and a half examinations. Sharat was preparing for the for his first arts examination. He is polite and calm. Pointing to Sharat, <laughs> he's polite and calm. Right. Uh, but I have not seen another. Bo- but I have not seen another boy like Narendra. Right. Right. He is. He is as efficient. He is. He is as efficient in music, vocal and instrumental, as as in the acquisition of knowledge and conversation as well in religious matters. He loses normal consciousness and meditating the whole nights. My Narendra is, is a coin who has no alloy whatsoever. Toss it up and you hear the truest sound, meaning no, it's pure gold. There's no, you throw it, you click it, he has pure, you, have it, you know it's pure. My Narendra is a coin which has no alloy whatever. Toss it up and you hear its truest sound. He goes to the Brahma Samaj 
also and sings devotional songs there. But he is not like the other Brahmas. He is a true knower of Brahman. He sees the light when he sits for meditation. Is it, is it for nothing that I love Narendra so much? So the one that he thought was rude, he's like, yeah, he, he, this boy is very polite. But Narendra, there's power. right? He's a knower of Brahman. He has all these qualities. Curious, Sharad asked, Sir, where does Narendra live? The master, the master replied, Narendra is the son of Vishwanath Dutta of Simla, Calcutta. After returning to Calcutta, Sharat went to visit Narendra and was amazed to see the same boy whom he had previously met. From then on, they became close friends. They visited each other and talked long hours about the master and spiritual life. Narendra told Sharat and Shashi about his experiences with the master. He is bestowing love, devotion, divine knowledge, liberation, and whatever else one may desire on whoever he likes. Oh, what wonderful power. He can do anything he likes. Son of Vivekananda's description. When the master heard from Shard about his meeting with Narendra and the development of their close friendship, he was overjoyed. He remarked in his homely way, a housewife knows which lid goes on which pot, on which cooking pot. That's a beautiful description. You know, somebody who knows her kitchen knows which pot goes on, which lid goes on which pot. He knows how to, which, which souls, which people are supposed to be friends. You know, the connection, very beautiful. <laughs> it's a great image. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember reading that. It's great. One day, Sri Ramakrishna came, became the Kalpaturu. We read this Leela on, on New Year's Eve, right? The wish-fulfilling tree and fulfilled the wishes of his disciples. Some asked for devotion, some knowledge, some liberation. Seeing Sharat silent, the master asked him, How would you like to realize God? What divine vision do you prefer to see in meditation? Sharat replied, I do not want to see any particular form of God in meditation. I want to see God in all beings. I do not like visions. The master said with a smile, This is the last word in spiritual attainment. You cannot have it all at once. But I won't be satisfied with anything short of that, replied Sharat. I shall strive my best until I am able to attain it. At last the master blessed him, saying, Yes, you will attain it. Sri Ramakrishna kept a vigilant eye on his disciples. Observing Sharat's spirit of non-attachment, the master asked him, Whom do you love most of all? Well, sir, answered Sharat, I don't think I love anyone. At this, the master indignantly said, Ah, what a dry rascal. We know he didn't use the word rascal. <laughs> Fall either into one pit or the other. Into the pit of filth or into the pit of gold. Right? You have to choose. You have to love something. Right? <laughs> it's a very fall into one, but do something. What is it? You know, that, uh, uh, there's a, I think in the, maybe in the, in, the Revela- in the book Revelation, perhaps, where there were... It says something like, uh, Jesus mystically says, because you're neither hot or cold, I shall spit you from my mouth. Right? You do something. Be, be, you know, love something, you know. But who is foolish enough to want to fall into the pit of filth? If one has love in one's heart for one's fellow beings, one can easily divert it towards God. Once the master sang a Brahmo song to Sharat and told him, assimilate any one of these ideas and you will reach your goal. The song runs as follows. Maybe that same message is for we can assimilate one of these ideas. Thou art my all in all, O Lord. 
the life of my life, the essence of essence. Actually, Swami Chaitanya used to tell us, he used to tell people, you have to, we used to go to Swami Chaitanya to give us some, some practice or something like that. So he, we had to memorize the Stila Pragna verses from the Gita, you know, the, what the man of study wisdom, there's like 20 verses and, and there's different things. This is one of the songs that you should memorize and you should repeat it every morning for some time. It's a very, the ideas are great. Thou art my all in all, O Lord, the life of my life, the essence of essence. In the three worlds, I have none else but thee to call my own. Thou art my peace, my joy, my hope. Thou art my support, my wealth, my glory. Thou art my wisdom and my strength. Thou art my home, my place of rest, my dearest friend, my next of kin, my parents and my, my present and my future. Thou art my help, heaven and my salvation. Thou art my scripture and my commandments. Thou art my ever gracious guru. Thou art the spirit, the spring of my boundless bliss. Thou art the way and thou the goal. Thou art the adorable one, O Lord. Thou art the mother tender-hearted, thou the chastising father, thou the creator and protector, thou the helmsman who does steer my craft across the sea of life. In 1885, Shard passed the first arts examination. His father wanted him to study medicine so he could work with him at this pharmacy. Although Shard had no interest in becoming a doctor or a pharmacist, he took Narendra's advice and enrolled in Calcutta Medical College. Sharit knew the master would not accept food from his hands of a lawgiver or doctors. This is interesting. Takur wouldn't accept food from lawyers or from doctors. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm. Right? Takur is very... So, so he didn't want to become a doctor. <laughs> Actually, Swamiji was scheduled to become a lawyer and Swami Sharananda was going to become a doctor. <laughs> right? Interesting. Right? Mm. And the reason, Takur himself says, there may be different reasons. There's, there's, there's vibrationary, but really he says both... A lawyer uh, makes his living online, and you know, and and that's interesting because yeah, you you uh, uh, Gandhi made the same argument. Gandhi made a very in his book his first book called Swaraj. It's a very fiery book. It was forbidden. Like the British government immediately it was, he wrote it in 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 South Africa, right? But about the freedom of India, and immediately they and later Gandhi said, oh, they did the that the best. Advertisement for my book is banning it. They sold millions of copies, but it was before Gandhi learned how to be Gandhi. Gandhi learned learned a particular way, the sadhu way, you know, the gentle, the way he preached. But in the early days, he was he was he had not found his voice in a certain sense, and it was printed later at the end of his life. They said we want to reprint it. Yes, just reprint it. Should we change anything? He says no, no, it's right. You know, he, he's changed his 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 way, but 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 it's a very powerful book. And in it, he attacked, one of the things he attacked, he attacks the courts and lawyers. And of course, he himself was a lawyer. <laughs> Very interesting, right? And he makes an interesting argument, which Takur also made, that if, uh, if, if two people, if, if Kiritmi are having a fight, minimal, most likely it's going to go away, right? It, nothing will come of it. And, or and our friends and families will, will, will dissipate it. Or, you know, the traditional thing of the, in a, in a, in a village, there's the, the panchat or something like that. They, they, if they, if needs to, they'll, they'll minimally, maximally, will go outside and fight, and one of us will punch the other, and, we'll, and one of us will win. It'll be finished right there. Mm. But instead, that's bad enough. But you just fight it out. At least, like, if you go to a lawyer, what happens? We start a case against them, <laughs> right? You start rather than like rather than finding that one little thing that bothered us, you find other things, and you start and you and you you know, it, it creates more tension rather than less tension. He says, who says this is noble? This is a very noble profession. 
right? That's that's one of the talkers. Talker, you quoted these things, and it's like this. And it was doctors. Doctors make their. Of course, doctors should should heal. Even Sri Ramakrishna doctors, we consider to be like God. He accepted food from his doctors, right? Right. But why 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 was this idea is that the doctors they make more. The more people who are sick, the more money they make. Right. So how is that? How is that money pure? How is their food pure? Right. They want people to be sick. It's, of course, it's a different thing. But Takur saw deep thing. If you see, I know. Unfortunately, I have to tell you, I know what we know. A lot of lawyers and a lot of doctors. Right. And they a lot of them go into the business not because they want to heal the sick. It's a good. It's a good. Very good. It's a lot of work. No doubt. They get paid because they do a lot of research. They do a lot of work. Right. But they're they're not doing it always for the highest reasons. Hopefully, they do much good. I'm also a great uh, respecter of both professions. Right. Right, but I always get nervous when I hear people, you know, why people, you know, why why they want to study, you know, it's it's a it's not always, anyways. It's so Sharananda was not anxious to become a doctor because he knew Thakur would never accept food from his hands. He didn't like doctors, in the sense. Where is it? Sharat uh, mm. knew that the master would not accept food from the hands of doctors and lawyers. Moreover, the master was very fond of Sharat's sister's cooking, and Sharat would carry the food she prepared to him at Dakshinishwar. When the master learned that Char- of, of, about Sharat's admission to the medical college, he said clearly, If you become a doctor, I shall not, I shall not be able to eat food from your hands. Sharat was in dilemma, but, he was, but the ever-gracious master removed it shortly afterward. Sharad could be uh, tell that story. I'll see if I have a few more minutes. Sharad could not bear a casual, haphazard way of doing things. He was quite alert and methodolog- methodological, methodical, like right, methodical about everything. Traits which he learned from the master. In 1885, Sharad went with the master to attend the festival of Panahati, which is recorded graphically in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, in Sri Ramakrishna, the great master. After taking leave of the master, when Sharad reached the ferry that could take him back to Calcutta, he remembered that he had left his shoes near Ramakrishna's room. He immediately rushed back to pick them up. Learning the cause of his return, the master said, My boy, always remember things and never leave anything behind. All the fun and joy of attending the Panahati festival would have been marred if you had gone home and found your shoes were missing and you did not know where you had left them. I could talk her many times. Somebody forgets, somebody... Uh, somebody left something. Talker says, "I've never, I've never misplaced anything, and I'm, I'm in ecstasy. I can't even find my body, and my clothes falls from my, my, my body. But I've never misplaced a pen, or a pen knife, or something. You know, it's like he was so conscious. He didn't like any mistake like this. You know, this is a big. I can't find any. I can't even find. Where's my phone? Anyways, we're not up to Talker's standard yet." Uh, Shard bowed down to, the, to Sri Ramakrishna and he was about to leave again. Sri Ramakrishna asked, How did you enjoy the day? It was a variable fare of Hadi's name, wasn't it? Shard agreed. Shard agreed. Then the master praised the young Naren. The dark complexioned boy has been visiting this, boy, this place for a short time. He, already has, is, he is already having ecstasies. He is a good boy. Please go to his house one day and talk to him, will you? This is another Narendra. There's two Narendras in Thakur's group. Will you? Sharad replied, But sir, I like no one as much as I like the elder Narendra, Vivekananda. So I don't feel any inclination to visit the younger Narendra. The master scolded him, saying, You brat, you are very one-sided. It is a sign of small-mindedness. 
as the, as the flower tray of the Lord contains various kinds of flowers, so he has all kinds of devotees. This is the, we have that like flower tray that we prepare when we're making puja. This is a good part of the, our Kali Puja class. Remember the, the tray like that? It has all kinds of flowers, not just one type of flower. Right? Here we have all kinds of crazy devotees. <clears throat> hmm. It is a sign of Nera. Uh, you must one, one day visit the young Narendra, won't you? Shard promised to visit him and left. After a few days, Shard went to visit the young Narendra and had a wonderful conversation with him, which solved the great problem of his life. In passing, the young Narendra had said, Brother, whenever the master asks us to do is for our good. Otherwise, what self-interest does he have? Immediately, Shard realized why the master had insisted that he visit the young Narendra. The master's every word and action had some deep meaning. Shara then gave up his study of medicine so he, had, so he could serve the master wholeheartedly. That was the setup. Right? Anything Thakur has asked you to do, he has no agenda. He has not, nothing to gain from it. He's completely selfless. He's for your own good. Right? So then he realized, oh, when he asked me not to study medicine, that was for my own good. Right? So he was set up this situation for this. Hmm. I think maybe actually it's only two paragraphs left and then we'll finish the section. So after the Panahati you know the Panahati Festival, anybody know this scene? This is an one of the most incredible scenes in, in recorded Lila of Takur. Panahati is a place not far from Dakshin and not far from Calcutta in the village. And it was a scene of, of I'm forgetting the disciple, but there was a disciple of Nityananda and Chaitanya. And Chait I think Chaitanya made a comment or something like that, that he's to his disciple there. He said, I want you to make a festival and invite all the devotees. So, okay, certainly. But I want you to use broken rice, chipped rice. Like chipped rice, you never invite friends, holy people, devotees, and bandara, and feed people with broken. This is like the, the cheapest rice. This is the rice that poor people use. This is like low quality rice, not good basmati rice, not good rice for a festival. So he was horrified, but this is all Leela. I forget if it's Nityananda or Chaitanya who gave the instruction. Forgive me. Um, um, but he made incredible festival. He made the most wonderful dishes of all with broken rice, like 108, 1,000 dishes, all fancy, every possible uh, fancy rice, but with broken rice. And, and there was a great Kirtan festival, right? But still at that place, since that time, there's a yearly annual festival, Panahati festival. And one time Sri Ramakrishna attended it. And it was the most incredible. He, I mean, dancing in ecstasy as like Lord Chaitanya dancing, and uh, Haley has painted it. We have a beautiful painting. We'll hopefully get framed shortly. It could be one of the great paintings at Kali Mandir. It's like nobody's seen anything like this. The way he danced at that festival and the description of it. Right. So this, this is uh, mulling around this festival. After the Panahati festival, Sri Ramakrishna developed stroke cancer. This is, that's true. In September 1885, he had moved to Shampukur, Calcutta, for treatment. Some prominent doctors began treating him, and the young disciples, including Sharat, devoted himself to nursing the master under Narendra's leadership. The doctors cautioned the disciples that Ramakrishna's cancer would be aggravated if he talked often and merged frequently into samadhi. So the disciples kept a vigilant watch over him. So they, they said that by talking, it's ag aggravating. It's had throat cancer. You know, it's going to put blood to your throat, and that's going to aggravate it. So don't let him talk much. That was the idea. Nevertheless, one day the master began to teach Sharat about meditation and posture. He's teaching this is a class on yoga, classical yoga. Sharat wrote later, 
sitting in the lotus posture, placing the back of the right hand on the palm of the left hand and raising both hands to the level of the chest, he said as his eyes closed, this is the best posture for all kinds of meditation on God was formed. Thakur, this is the way you meditate on God was formed. Thakur said. Again, seated in the same posture, he placed his right and left hands on his, on his right and left knees respectfully and touched the tips of his thumbs and index fingers while the other hands remained straight, straightened. Then fixing his gaze between his eyebrows, he said, this is an excellent posture for meditating on the formless God. We know this. You know, so it's Thakur, during his sickness, is describing positions for meditation. Right? Saying so, the master went into samadhi. Shortly afterward, he forcibly brought his mind to the more normal plane of consciousness and said, I cannot show you more now. I, could, I, could, I couldn't show you more. As soon as I sit in that way, the mind gets stimulated, becomes absorbed in samadhi, and the air currents move upward and hits the wound in the throat. That is why the doctor advised me to avoid going into samadhi. So doing this even caused him to, to, to cause pain in his, in his body. You know. Shard humbly said, Sir, why did you show us Show me all those techniques. I didn't ask you. Right? Why are you doing such things? I didn't ask you and it's making you sick. Right? That's true, said the master. But it's hard for me to remain quiet without telling you and demonstrating some spiritual matter matters to you all. Sharak was touched by the master's infinite compassion for him. On 11th December 1885, Sri Ramakrishna had moved to the Kashipur garden house close to the Ganga. The air there was not polluted as, as polluted was in Calcutta. In the beginning, Sharat served the master while staying at, the, at, his, at home, but later he moved to Kashipur. Sharat's father was alarmed. Like, go, one thing, going to Sri Ramakrishna is one thing, but not living with Sri Ramakrishna. Every father is scared of the kid becoming a monk, joining some weird group, <laughs> living at Kali Mandir, something like that. That's too much. Uh, he felt that his son had been brainwashed by Sri Ramakrishna. He begged Shara to, to be guided by their family guru, Jagan Mohan Takalankar, a famous pundit and tantric yogi. Actually, Shara from a tantric family. His father was a tantric uh, pujari. So, he, interesting. When Shara did not respond, Girish hit upon another plan to bring his son back home. He went to Kashipur with Jagan Mohan, requesting him beforehand to ask some difficult esoteric questions of Sri Ramakrishna in front of Shara. He thought that if the master could not answer those questions, Sharak would come back to his senses and return home. Tricky, very fascinating. Uh, but the result was a reverse. After talking briefly, Jagan Mohan realized the greatness of the master and told Girish privately, I, have, I will never advise Sharak to give up such a guru. Girish's hopes were dashed, but he still did not give up. Did, did, still did not give up. He thought that perhaps marriage could bind Sharat to the world. Another day, he went to Kashipur and told Sri Ramakrishna, Sir, if you ask Sharat to marry, he will. Immediately, Sharat said, Do you think I shall obey if the master asks me to marry? Even if Thakur asked me, I won't get married. In, this, in no way shall I deviate from my duty, even if the master requests me to do so. Sri Ramakrishna said to Girish with a smile, Did you hear what Sharat says? What else can I do? Once Sri Ramakrishna remarked, Mahamaya does not trap those who are around me. Sharak was the eldest son in the center of his family's attention because of his maturity and intelligence and his loving and steady nature. Gradually, Sharak's mother and brothers became devotees of the master and visited him at Kashipur. One day, Charu Chandra, one of Sharak's younger brothers, came to see the master. 
Ramakrishna was pleased to meet the boy. He is a fine boy, said the master to Sharat, a little more intelligent than you. Let me see if he has good or bad tendencies. So saying, he took Chara's right hand into his own and weighed it, saying, yes, he has good tendencies. You know, this talker would weigh people's hands to see whether they're heavy or light. He could see if people were uh, hypocrites. I'm always scared. What was yours? It's interesting. One, one, one devotee was a great devotee of Holy Mother, Girish, who made our Shivalingam outside, carved our Shivalingam. He said he never liked Sri Ramakrishna. He was scared of him. Right? He, Holy Mother never judged anybody. Holy Mother, he knew if he ever met Sri Ramakrishna, he'd look at his eye, look at his chest, weigh his hands to see whether they had good qualities. He didn't want to be judged like that, but Thakur would wouldn't watch everything. Uh, he then asked Sharat, Shall I draw him? That is, draw his mind away from the world and turn him towards God? What do you say? Sharat replied, Yes, sir, do, please do so. Sri Ramakrishna thought for a while and said, No, no more. I have taken one, and if I take this one, your parents, especially your mother, will be very grieved. I have, de- I have, de- I have de- displeased many a Shakti in my life. No more now. Right, I've already upset so many mothers because I've taken their children. I won't take another child. You know, he didn't want to upset uh, upset Shakti. Right. No more now. In spite of his illness, the master gave Chaudhu some spiritual instructions and told him, that intelligence is the right one which helps one realize God, and that intelligence is inferior which brings worldly prosperity. He asked his attendants to give the boy some refreshments and send him back home. Day and night in Kashipur, Sharat witnessed the final divine play of Sri Ramakrishna. On 1st January 1886, the master went into his last walk in the garden and again became Kalpaturu, a wish-fulfilling tree. He blessed many devotees, devotees saying, Be illumined. Sharat and Latu were there, were then busy cleaning the master's room and saw that historical event from the roof. Later, when someone asked Sharat why he did not go to the master for blessings, he replied, I did not feel the necessity for that. Why, why should I? Was not the master dearer than the dearest to me? Then what doubt, what doubt was there that he would give me of his own accord anything that I needed? Sometime in the middle of January, the elder Gopal wanted to distribute twelve pieces of ochre cloth and twelve rosaries to some monks. Pointing to his young disciples, the master said to him, You won't find better monks than these. Give your cloth and rosaries to them. Instead, Gopal offered them to the master, and he himself distributed them amongst his young disciples. Sharat received the ochre cloth, the garb of a monk, from the master. This is really the founding of the Ramakrishna mission. Ramakrishna order he gave, and then later they took formal vows. With a view of teaching them to rely on God and to purge pride from their minds, one day the master asked the disciples to beg food from door to door. Also a tradition of the monks, you go begging your first food. Like a, tradi- like a traditional monks. Later Sharat told one funny incident. When he appeared in front of the house and asked for alms, an old woman came out and diligently said to him, You have such a strong body. Why, why are you living on alms? Can't you get a job as a tram conductor? So saying, he shut the door. Was that look? <laughs> Interesting. Actually, there's a funny, uh, uh, in the Ramakrishna order, when they become a monk, you go begging for three days. Right? And you'll see them there. They go out, they're in unstitched cloth and barefooted, and, they, and you see the bench go and begging. And one of the one of the one Swami told the story. They went begging, and one place immediately they get chastised. He says, "You should. You're young. Why don't you get an office job, mm-hmm. an accountant, right?" And he said, "He said, Mother, I have an office job. I work in the accountant department at Bellarmine. <laughs> this is symbolic. Please give me a little bit of rice." 
I have I have a desk job, don't worry. <laughs> so anyways, Jai Sri Ramakrishna, Jai Swami Sharananda, Swami Vivekananda. Alright, Hari Om Tatsa.